you guys are going to have to bear with me for just a second because I'm going to go through a little bit of a checklist, all right? Main eventers, check. Cruiserweights, check. Tag team division, getting there, but I'm going to give it a check. Women's division, well, fuck me, it's NXT, isn't it? I mean, get yourself, get your brand to a level where you can use your brand to promote an entirely other brand, check. Simultaneously promote two pay-per-views at the same time, again, check. See AEW do that, let's talk about it. What's going on, everybody? It's your buddy. It's your pal's past Phoenix, the YWC Reality Check, here with your January 15th, 2020 NXT review. If you're finding me on an audio platform and you want to find me on YouTube, search Spaz Phoenix. If you are watching me on YouTube right now, my pretty sexy face and the hat and all, go to Spotify, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Anchor, Google, Overcast, Player.fm, Anchor, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, TuneIn, Breaker, Spreaker, CastBox, or Castro, and put in Spaz Phoenix Podcast. You will find this exact show without my pretty sexy face, in a podcast form. That'd be really great. Speaking of this show, I do owe all of you guys out there, especially those who've been following me on YouTube for a long time, a huge, huge, huge thank you. I didn't get to address this last week in any of my videos because they were all pre-recorded. But as you as you know, if you follow me on Twitter, at SpazPhoenix1, or if you were in the chat for any of the videos that went out last week, we did, in fact, surpass 1,000 subscribers on this YouTube channel now. I said towards the end of last year, wouldn't it be really cool to reach uh, 1,000 subscribers by the end of the year? We didn't quite get there. Wouldn't it be cool to set that as a goal, you know, road to 1,000? Let's get 1,000 subscribers by WrestleMania. We didn't quite hit the New Year mark, but my God, we made it way before WrestleMania. And that is fantastic. That is down to you guys. That is down to the OK Fabes and the Joe Cronins and the Jake DeMarcos and the Good Mike Works and everybody that helps me promote my stuff. It's down to every single one of you in the chat that uh, share out these videos, participate in the chats, etc., participate in the comment section down below, do the liking and the sharing and all that sort of thing. It's all great, and it's all great. And as I always come up and say to you guys, A, I don't acknowledge you guys nearly enough. B, I could not do this without you guys. You guys know this isn't a business for me. It's just a hobby. I'm not making a cent here, but it still does, it still does, it does something to you when you reach that first one K and I'm, yes, I am the loser that screen capped the Spaz Phoenix 1K subscribers thing and put it out on my Instagram and on my Twitter and on my Facebook as obnoxious as I possibly could because we, we got there in the end. It took us a long damn time because YouTube sucks and if you're listening to this in a podcast form, you probably don't care in the slightest, but um, it's really good. It's really awesome. It made me smile anyways, you know, great way to kick off the new year, etc. Also, little tiny programming note, but not programming for myself, programming for anybody in the GTA area or anybody that has ever heard me talk about Destiny Wrestling. Destiny Wrestling's Carnage 6 is this coming Sunday. They just today confirmed, well, I should say confirmed. We already knew what the main event was because they announced it at the end of the last show, but confirmed all over Facebook. They got graphics for it and everything. We do indeed have the rematch. Marty Skrull, the current Destiny champion. I think he's doing some things in ROH as well. Marty Skrull, the current reigning, defending, I'm not going to do a Paul Heyman voice because that'd be lame, um, Destiny champion is giving uh, uh can't speak, I swear. Josh Alexander, his rematch for that title because of all the kerfuffle that happened at the last show, etc. It's going to be really good. Plus, you got Channing Decker and Enzo Amore and two other guys in a fatal four-way match and another match 
that I should have written down because I can't think of what it is right now. It's going to be good if you are in the uh, the Greater Toronto area, if you are specifically in Mississauga, if you're anywhere near the Don Kolov Arena, go to Destiny Pro Wrestling on uh, on Facebook and all those all those sorts of platforms. I think there are still tickets available. I'm not. I don't work for them. I'm not a shill. I just really think their shows are a lot of fun, and I wish more people would go out and see them because we like to have good times. You like to sit there for a long time and get a sore ass on the bleachers because that's what wrestling fans do. That was that was weird. That trailed off at the end there. I didn't mean to do that. But uh, yeah, that's about it. Thousand subs is fucking awesome. As I say, it took us a long time to get there. Uh, if you're anywhere in the vicinity, come come check out Carnage 6, because it means we're going to get three weekends in a row of wrestling. We've got the, the UK show that was last weekend, and uh, I could get into that, but basically it was a good show that I don't think a lot of people watched, and that's sad. Go back on the network and watch it. It was good. Jordan Devlin versus, Pete, or versus uh, Tyler Bate is particularly good. Go check it out if you want to see two guys just beating the ever-loving shit out of each other. Really, really good show. And then we got this, and then we got Worlds Glide and Royal Rumble the following weekend, which we're going to talk about a lot tonight, aren't we? Once again, as I said in the beginning, NXT has been given the, the weight on its shoulders to carry two pay-per-views simultaneously. They helped the UK brand get to their UK pay-per-view. They're helping the UK brand get some exposure on their way to Worlds Collide, and they're also promoting their own pay-per-view in February in Portland. So, repeat of Survivor Series weekend. Uh, definitely, definitely true, but you wouldn't put this much pressure consistent, uh, consistently. You wouldn't put this many multiple tasks on a brand that couldn't handle it. And that's that really is what it is. And I don't say that because I am the NXT guy. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I was on WWE Shop the other day and they had the flags for sale and whatever. I do have a NXT flag that's going to go up and it's going to go right where that Canadian flag is right now. The Canadian flag is probably just going to move over or something. But I am the NXT guy. But you, you have to look at it logically. NXT fights a three-way battle every week because it has to be better than it it has to progressively get better than itself it has to be the 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 winning or the dominating brand within WWE competing against Raw and SmackDown and it has to go against the the absolutely delusional fan base of AEW so and and it does it all and it does it all very easily and very simply and it's just good and and uh, I said it on Twitter uh, I'm, I'm diverting all over the place right before we start the show, but I said something on Twitter that ha hadn't occurred to me until just recently. NXT has more titles than any other WWE brand. NXT UK only has three. Raw and SmackDown each have four. They all have a main title, a mid-card title, a women's title, and a tag title. Now, NXT UK... Or sorry, NXT... I was about to say NXT UK there. Don't listen to me when I do that. NXT has the NXT title, NXT has the North American title, NXT has the tag team titles, NXT has the women's title, NXT had the cruiserweight championship, and there was a period of time where the UK title, before UK became a brand, was their de facto mid-card title. So they have, at one point, had six belts. You never hear people bringing up the argument of, oh my god, there's too many belts, in an NXT scenario, because in NXT, all those belts matter. Undisputed Era, 
does what they do for those titles. Adam Cole makes that title the biggest title in WWE. Shayna Baszler and now Rhea Ripley made that women's title the biggest title in in WWE. They took the tag titles. I mean, tag. there's a struggle for tag team wrestling in WWE. I'll give you that. I really will. But considering the announcement we got later tonight, coupled with the Dusty Classic, which is shaping up really, really well, tag team wrestling is in an okay place, at least in NXT. The Cruiserweight Championship that was dead and buried was resurrected by Triple H, NXT, and Leo Rush, and now Angel Garza, and now... The triple threat match we're going to talk about later on tonight. And yes, I know there's some butthurt people on Twitter that don't want me to say nice things about Triple H, especially this week. But you know what? Get over it. That's 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 all. That's it. I know the Paige thing. I like Paige, but it was a joke. Get the fuck over it. Every single title matters. Every single... If those titles didn't matter, then we wouldn't say about all the people that have gone up to the main roster, well, they don't look important with those titles. The Street Profits is the prime example. Street Profits are going to get the Raw titles, eventually. And the Raw titles on them are going to look like toys compared to when they won that ladder match last year. Uh, if you watch Wrestle Culture, you'll hear, you'll hear Adam Wilborn talk about it a whole lot. That four-way ladder match where they became the NXT Tag Team Championships, they will never ever look that victorious with Raw or SmackDown tag team. First of all, because they look like raspberry and blueberry fruit roll-ups. But second of all, because of the NXT factor. The NXT titles, they're not the most beautiful tag team, or sorry, the beautiful titles in all of WWE because UK has the better looking belts. NXT, any belt that has NXT attached to it, even the Cruiserweight Championship that has the WWE logo on it, not the NXT logo on it, they still need to fix that. But any title, any honor, any any championship that has NXT as the prefix is the biggest title in the WWE. And they get that way, and you don't get that, oh my god, there's too many belts syndrome going on, because their belts matter. And this show exemplified that in, in, in wondrous form. Now the thing is, we're not talking about a world title match right now because the most immediate pay-per-view coming up has the champions in a four-on-four -four match at Worlds Collide. So Adam Cole is still thinking about defending his title, but it's on the back burner right now because there's a larger war to fight. I like that story. I really, really do. And, and it's a cop-out to say I like that story because it's sort of the same thing we were saying going into war games, but this is kind of the same thing as war games. When they were doing war games, they were going the next night into the Battle of the Brands. Worlds Collide is, in fact, a battle of the brands. Undisputed Era should be laughing off Imperium because they have four champions on their side, and Imperium has won. And another one that just failed to pick up those titles last Sunday. That story should be so one-sided that it's ridiculous, when really, it's one-sided because half of the viewing audience doesn't know who Imperium is. And that's sad, and that's not Undisputed Era's fault. Anyways, NXT, I'm gushing about already before we even get into the show, because this show was so fucking good, and this show showed how, th how this brand can do so many things at once and keep them all like you know the old expression of spinning plates you know spinning plates okay you drop one one sort of spinning on your toe and the rest of them are spinning on your hands one's spinning on your nose this show took 
five or six plates and spun them all on its head. Every single thing that they needed to do tonight felt awesome. Everything, Every single thing they did tonight was important and nothing felt more important than the other. There wasn't like, yeah, we're just going to get this out of the way, but this is what we're focusing on tonight. This is what we're focusing on tonight went into everything that they did tonight. And yes, I'm bordering on hyperbole. I have my biases. It is a thing. Have you not heard me talk about Shotzi Blackheart? And don't get me wrong, we are going to talk about Shotzi Blackheart. But we got to start off the show as we always do. We started it off on a really somber note, uh, paying a bit of tribute to uh, soul man Rocky Johnson, aka The Rock's dad, heard briefly today, because work's kicking my ass, I haven't had a chance to read very much. I did see the headline that he had passed away, and uh, what can I add to the conversation other than that really, really sucks? Uh, feel bad for The Rock, feel bad for their family, my condolences go out to them, not that they'll ever get them, but uh, yeah, sort of unfortunate to start the show on a sort of a somber note, but the video package looking back on last week, looking back on the Six Woman tag match that started the show, the Dusty Classic matches we had last week, the ba the Balor and Gargano announcement. We see Keith Lee becoming the number one contender for the North American Championship next week. And we sort of shove in the middle of that video package the footage of Undisputed Era coming and kicking the crap out of Imperium in Blackpool last Sunday after Walter defended his NXT, or sorry, WWE United Kingdom Championship and after Marcel Barthel and Fabian Eichner had failed to get the tag titles after Alexander Wolf was also with Alexander Wolf and Ilya Dragunov had that weird sort of square off during the during the main event and that was just unnecessary and that match went way too long and I like Joe Coffee but this was not a match that made Joe Coffee look good. Anyways, if you guys really want me to do thoughts on the UK show, put it down in the box below, but I think it's already it's already four or five days late. It's already sort of in the ether. As far as that goes, hit me up on Twitter, ask me what I thought of the show. I'm going to tell you what I said a minute ago, it's just that it was very good, but nobody watched it, and even less people remember it, which is bad. We start the show off with Keith Lee, and the crowd fucking loves Keith Lee, don't they? To do the bask in his glory thing. And he says, please do bask in my glory. He did, he did the whole like video game, achievement unlocked, I've become the number one contender. The era had a great 2019. They have every title right now. The end of their 2019 was the best ever, except for maybe mine. Um, I don't know that that's true, because yeah, you were amazing and awesome. You didn't win anything. You you made a great trending gif of tossing Adam Cole into the audience and you fist-bombed with Roman Reigns. All of these things are awesome. You had your first Big Four pay-per-view. Congratulations, but you are not holding every single championship on your brand, are you, sir? It's a little, little bit of that promo that, that didn't quite fall apart. The era have reached their limit, and I am limitless. Next week, I'm going to prove it by beating Roderick Strong. It sort of tapered off into a generic promo after that, but the beginning of it was great. It was that whole, like, hey, look, these guys are great. I'm just a little bit better. And and uh, I will say, Keith Lee doesn't get a lot of solo time to go out there and cut a promo, so it was cool to see him get out there and get some mic time on his own, not part of a team, not part of a... You know, I'm here to back up Ciampa, I'm here to back up Dijakovic, I'm here to back up this person or that person, or I'm here to tag team with, with Leo Rush. I'm still really bummed, I'm not going to lie. Not that I don't want Keith Lee to achieve things on his own, but they teased us during that taped show where it was like half at Barclay and half in Full Sail. They teased us with that tag team of Leo Rush and Keith Lee, and that would have been really cool for the Mae Young Classic, or not. 
the Dusty Classic, sorry, May Young Classic is going to come into what I'm talking about later on, but can you imagine a final of the Dusty Classic being the Broserweights versus Keith Lee and Leo Rush? That would have been really good, but then you wouldn't have had the involvement of the UK guys, and I, I get it, it overlaps, it's fine. Undisputed came out, Undisputed Era came out and said, have you seen what we did to Imperium? Have you seen what we did to Velveteen Dream? Have you seen what we've done to Tommaso Ciampa? You're next. And it's Adam Cole just sort of frantically yelling that into a mic. It's not the typical, almost Shawn Michaels-esque Adam Cole that we're dealing with. It's a very frustrated Adam Cole. It's a very, um, because not, not to steal a catchphrase, but I'm sure the Undisputed Era would have wanted to bask in their own glory See what I did there after the attack on Imperium. But meanwhile, all the mic time is going to Keith Lee. And uh, if you're somebody like Adam Cole, that's going to rub you the wrong way, obviously. Um, there's a four-on-one beatdown. Eventually, they do the whole ankle in the chair spot where they put the ankle in the chair and then they jump on the chair that's obviously not folding around the ankle but we go along with it because we're wrestling fans. Uh, as soon as that, that spot happened, though, where they pop his ankle in the chair vicious, vicious, Roddy sucks chance from the crowd. And Ciampa makes his way down to the ring, makes the save, has a quick stare down with Adam Cole before the crowd starts coming up back with the daddy's home chance and all that sort of So you do a couple of things here. You tell the main story of Tommaso Ciampa's coming for Adam Cole. He's coming for that belt and whatever, and that's a one-on-one -on -one feud. But the bigger story here is Tommaso Ciampa comes and chases away all of the Undisputed Era because he's going to help Keith Lee because, you know, Tommaso Ciampa and Keith Lee are, like, best friends. No, they're not, but okay. We get another reminder from Moro Ronaldo about the Balor-Gargano match happening at TakeOver Portland. It's the first official match announced for TakeOver Portland. We get the news that Tegan Knox is back in full sail. She just returned, and she's in the Battle Royal tonight. And then we get it announced either here or sometime later, I didn't write it down, that the Battle Royal main... Bleh, words are escaping me once again. The main event will be the Battle Royal to establish the number one contender for the NXT Women's Championship at TakeOver Portland, which is awesome and not surprising at all. Where they are definitely winning, where they are untouchable is the women's division. They're going to put the women's division in the main event. But for a first match, let me just tell you, Flash Morgan Webster and Mark Andrews versus Pete Dunne and Matt Riddle for the uh, first round of the Dusty Classic. Now, I will say, Flash Morgan Webster and Mark Andrews do need to get a hell of a lot of credit for being in this match because they were in that fatal four-way ladder match at TakeOver in the UK in Blackpool. And they did take that ridiculous double swanton, double hardy spot off the ladder through the table that looked like it would break your spine. So hats off to them for, you know, sucking it up and coming here and that sort of thing. And yes, I know it's their job, but I can still be a respectful person and give a little bit of credit where I think it's due. Pete Dunne and Matt Riddle should not be as charismatically linked as as they as they are. It's really again, I'm gonna go back to something I said on Twitter because that's what I do. The Dusty Classic gave us a lot of thrown together tag teams, but the thrown together tag teams have always worked. You had Finn Balor and Samoa Joe. You had uh, Ricochet and Alistair Black. I think the Dusty Classic is where we first saw DIY, the Gargano and, and Ciampa teaming. And now to have Pete Dunne and Matt Riddle, which, you know, if you start really breaking it down, they're a lot more similar than they are different. But when you hear those two characters, it doesn't sound like it should match at all. And Flash Morgan Webster and Mark Andrews are just, I've said it a bunch, and it sounds like I'm damning them with faint praise, but they, they are a fun team. I want to come out here and say that they're like a kick-ass team. I want to come out here and say that they're like 
bombastic aerial superstars, but they're just a fun team and they get the crowd going. And as I've said before, the uh, the music that they come out to, I think, is by um, Mark Andrews' band. I don't know the name of the band, to be quite honest with you, but it, it's it's a little bit of a bop, isn't it? And it gets the crowd going, and the, you know the hand waving and then the and uh, that sort of thing, you know, swanton bombing, stage diving, whatever the thing is that Nigel McGuinness says on the other show that I don't really watch. But these guys going up against two guys in Pete Dunne and Matt Riddle, who are basically, as submission machines, are basically meat grinders. Two guys that can break you down. Uh, the Pete Dunne uh, mentality in a match I've talked about a lot, where we go from the finger to the wrist to the hand to the elbow to the shoulder. Eventually you do the elbow stomp, and then you just break the person down like almost bone by bone. And it's... It's like a horror movie. It's like a Saw movie where you see these two guys that you really like just being drawn into that Saw. And I've belabored that metaphor long enough. So we're going to go into the match. Andrew starts with a side headlock and a head scissor and all four men come into the ring. Flash and Riddle tag themselves into the match. A grounded headlock and an arm lock by Riddle uh, done. And Riddle stomp the fingers simultaneously. Head scissor by Flash. There's a lot of simultaneous stuff here. On the one side, it's the... Flash Morgan Webster and Mark Andrews have been teaming so long. Look what a well-oiled machine they are. Here's these guys that are teaming up for the first time. Oh my god, we're so shocked. Look at how well they're teaming so well together. Forearms and a front slam by Riddle and a dropkick by Flash. A deadlift suplex by Dunn and a broton by Riddle. Xplex by Dunn. Springboard head scissor by Andrews. Double Pele by Andrews and a tornado DDT. Tandem suicide dives by Andrews and Flash. Assisted standing moonsault by Flash. A back elbow by Dunn. An Insiguri and a German suplex. Double team striking combinations by Dunn and Riddle. The striking of Dunn plus the UFC um, MMA background of Riddle does make for an interesting combination as well. Uh, hesitation suplex by Riddle, a knee strike and a broton. Ankle lock by Dunn, stomping both ankles at the same time and then back to the... He does... It's... it's he enjoys his work, does Pete Dunn. He puts him in the ankle lock and then puts his foot... Like, he literally starts the ankle lock and, and thinks no and puts his foot down and just sort of stands back and stomps on both ankles and goes back to the ankle lock. It's fucking wonderful. It's fucking wonderful how much Pete Dunn, as the baby face just enjoys breaking people. It really, really is good. Ro uh, rolling suplexes and a stomp by Andrews as we go to a commercial break. We come back. Moonsault by Flash, a dropkick and a swanton press on the outside. Head scissor, poison rana combination by Andrews and Flash. That combination has a name. I've forgotten what it is and they didn't say it on commentary. So there you go. Tilt a roll DDT to the floor by Andrews. Two spears by Riddle and a double G double team GTS by Riddle and Dunn. Head scissor by Flash. Stun Dog Millionaire by Andrews. Stun Dog Millionaire is another one of those moves that's really, really underrated and should end matches, but whatever. Bro Derek on the outside by Riddle, but then we get a bitter end high knee strike combination by Dunn and Riddle to get the win. Dunn and Riddle will face Imperium in the next round, and Imperium are fucked. Because here's the thing. First of all, Marcel Barthel and Fabian Eichner, I want to see them succeed as a team, but they're not going to succeed as, as, as a team against two main event stars like these, are they? But also, I really, really do have to believe that they're going to pay off the Dusty Classic at Worlds Collide. And at Worlds Collide, Imperium has a four-on-four -four match. So unless they're going to give these two guys that most of the audience doesn't know two matches, I, I they're not going to know. They're just not, are they? Um, but yeah, the the broser weights are are officially a thing, and we move on.
we replay once again Undisputed Era showing up in Blackpool and beating down Imperium. The uh, I, as I say, I want to say nice things about the UK brand because you know everybody's trying and the matches are good. It's just the whole nobody's watching and even less people care thing. The most sporadic 30 seconds of that UK pay-per-view was a beatdown by Undisputed Era. That's not a good thing, is it? Ciampa comes back out after helping Keith Lee to the back. He says, Velveteen Dream, Imperium, and now Keith Lee. Undisputed Era definitely has a hit list. Adam Cole's on my hit list. He took my title. When he took my title, he took my life. I want my title back, and I want my life back. And the Undisputed Era come back out even more frantic than before. Another four-on-one beatdown, and it came out quick. It's the antithesis of what you expect from the Undisputed Era. Big, long, sprawling promo from Adam Cole, maybe a couple of quips from the other guys, but like they're very frantic in their uh, in their approach to tonight. They got another four-on-one beatdown. Ciampa holds his own for a little while and eventually goes down to the four-on-one advantage, doesn't he? And who comes to save him? Because he saved Keith Lee before, now who's going to save him? Because Keith Lee's in the back, he can't return the favor, his ankle's all fucked. We're going to hear from him later on as to whether he can still have the match next week. He's still going to have the match next week. Spoiler alert. But the, the save is by Gargano. And anytime this happens, it, it's, it's, like the, it's like the brother or sister relationship of NXT. They will kill each other, but then they'll kill anybody else that tries to hurt either one of them. And I like, I love that there's a, there's a, there's a thread, there's a through line like that because there there is al there's always the metaphor of you know what everybody shits on their own family, but nobody will let anybody else shit on their family. That's very much what Gargano and Ciampa have going on here. And uh, obviously the crowd goes nuts for it every time because because they've earned it from the crowd and because the Full Sail crowd loves that act, the DIY, the DIY, the DIY. And they sort of nod at each other, they sort of shrug at each other when we go to break. Little did we know that there was going to be some action on Twitter during the commercial break because as we get back, we see a screen cap from Twitter from Mustache Mountain, specifically Trent Seven, um, basically saying Mustache Mountain versus DIY at Worlds Collide. What do you have of it? And I proceeded to go onto Twitter once again and say Worlds Collide may be the best takeover ever that wasn't called a takeover because we've already got Imperium versus Undisputed Era. We've already got Tony Storm versus Rhea Ripley. We've already got Elia Dragunov versus Balor, which is weird and random. We've already got the, the cruiserweight situation, which I'm going to address in a second. But but Mustache Mountain versus DIY. For WWE, which doesn't really have much tag team wrestling, you get the two tag teams that are the heart and soul of their respective brands. And, it, and it's just fucking good. I, I was going to say something else there, but it's just fucking good, isn't it? Uh, speaking of tag team wrestling, we go to the second Dusty Root Classic match of the night. Kushida and the debuting Alex Shelley taking on the grizzled young veterans. And I was bummed on a couple of levels here because they didn't make much pomp and circumstance out of the debut of Alex Shelley. They just threw his name up on the graphic while they played Kushida's music to come out. Which is a little bit odd. And then you got the grizzled young veterans who are or at least one of them, Zach Gibson, is amazing on the mic, amazing at turning a crowd on him in a second. And they didn't give him any mic time. They did later on, it's fine. But nothing to start off with. You know, we are Liverpool's number one, soon to be recognized. I'm not doing the accent, I just, I can't do it. 
but and the match was a little four really talented guys in this match I don't think they ever got it out of first gear, if you want my honest-to-God opinion. Shelly and Gibson start the match as a collar, a double tie-up, and a shove by Gibson, and a boot by Gibson, and some chops by Shelly, and a back job. There's a tandem, tandem inside-out crossbodies by Kushida and Shelly, where commentary immediately went on, went on a big spree of saying, oh, I guess some things never change once you've been somebody's partner, you can do this and do that. And I want to get behind that, because I like Kushida, and I, I, I'm really jacked that Alex Shelly is in NXT now, apparently. But literally, the first match showed that two guys that have never teamed before can have that that same cohesion. So it doesn't... A little bit of inconsistency on commentary. I like Mauro Ronaldo, but I do understand people's criticisms of him sometimes. There's a basement job kick by Gibson as we go to commercial big. As we come back from commercial big, Drake and Shelly trade some shots. There's a backbreaker by Drake, a springboard clothesline by Kushida, and a back elbow. Cross-arm breaker by Kushida, Instagram by Drake, a boot by Kushida, and a running knee. Moonsault splash combination thing by Kushida and Shelly, and an assisted low drop kick. But the ticket to mayhem, which is another ridiculous, ridiculous tandem maneuver. I'm going to try to explain it to you, but I don't think I can. Basically, Zach Gibson gets him up in a tombstone position. Looks like he's going to give a sort of a jumping jumping tombstone, which which is terrifying in its own right. But instead of jumping down, he sort of flails the person out so that uh, James Drake can catch him in a... What I have to what I have to describe as a code breaker position, but it's just and it's it's two people slamming you down in a code breaker position, and these guys are not small guys either I should say so it's it's good uh, grizzled young vets when they'll face fish and O'Reilly next week and again unless you want to give some fodder to uh, riddle and Dunn riddle and Dunn are are winning this tournament I have to say because they're facing Imperium next week and they're gonna win unless there's a lot of cheating involved and unless Imperium like I say are gonna play do do the double role of having more than one match in a night. So uh, Riddle and Dunn are going to win their match next week. And they're going to go on, are they going to have Riddle and Dunn go down to the Grizzled Young Veterans, who are awesome, but again, the mainstream crowd in the States, which is where this is happening, don't know them? Or are they going to have Riddle and Dunn go down to the Undisputed Era? No, they're not, because the Undisputed Era have something. It's going to be Grizzled Young Veterans versus Dunn and Riddle. I just figured it out right now. I that main event does take out a lot of that main event is awesome. The Undisputed Era versus Imperium is awesome, but it does take out a couple of other things. It does, you know, give a couple spoilers for a couple of other things. The finals are going to be the Grizzled Young Veterans versus the Broser Weights, and I'm I'm okay with that. Grizzled Young Veterans are going to go in there. They're going to be assholes. They're going to NXT's number one or some shit like that, and it's going to be fine. Chelsea Green is in the back with Robert Stone, who I feel really stupid for not realizing was Robbie E. last week. I think I said Chelsea Green came out with some guy. It took me a while and many, many, many other podcasts for, uh, to realize that I'm an idiot, and it's Robbie E., and that's fine. Which means you have Robbie E. and DJ Zima Ion, so eventually they're going to be a thing. No, they're not. They're really not. Maybe we're going to get Joaquin Wild as part of the Robert Stone brand. And they were basically letting us know that Chelsea Green is not in the Battle Royal. Okay. That, that's all I got for that. Now, it's got to sound really shitty on, on a podcast platform. You guys can let me know just to hear me randomly cracking off the paper from the Doomy clipboard to Doom when you're not even seeing me do the dramatic... Uh, 
the dramatic tearing of the paper and all that sort of thing. Let's talk about this cruiserweight situation because I saw that these three guys were going to face off tonight and they were going to get a number one contender's shot at Angel Garza for the cruiserweight championship. And I figured, okay, we'll do that in like two weeks or whatever. It'll be a really good, it'll be a really good ratings popping match for NXT. But it's not. It's number one contender's match and the winner is going to go on to Worlds Collide. And it's like, well, that doesn't make any sense because it's two guys from the same brand. You got Angel Garza versus the winner of this match versus two other guys that they're going to pick from the NXT UK brand somehow. And I'm pretty sure it's going to be like Noam Dar and Mark Andrews or some people like that. Noam Dar needs to come up. They need to bring Noam Dar and Jordan Devlin over to the proper proper NXT because I'm just not watching NXT UK. It, it is what it is. Noam Dar, we already know, we're already familiar with, and he can do great things in the Cruiserweight division. Jordan Devlin, I'm going to say it again. I'm going to go back to that one match. The match of the night this past Sunday was Tyler Bate versus Jordan Devlin. And if you don't believe me, go back and watch it. If you don't believe Jordan Devlin could come and potentially be a title contender on this NXT right now, go back and watch that match. Tyler Bate, you guys know what I think of Tyler Bate. He's great, but... Jordan Devlin is my answer. Again, there's no good way for me to end that sentence without sounding like a dick. But Jordan Devlin, please come to proper NXT. Or come back to Destiny, where I met you, and in, in, in real life, Jordan Devlin's a really, really chill dude, not to break too much kayfabe. Anyway, super kicks and insecurities by Breeze to start the match, because the match, I didn't even say, is between Leo Rush, Isaiah Swerve Scott, and Tyler Breeze. Tyler Breeze on his own, because I think Fandango is injured again, which really, really sucks. Super kicks and insecurities for everybody by Breeze to start the match. Snake eyes by Swerve, head scissors by Swerve in a series of, uh, of kicks, uppercuts, and uh, yeah, Swerve gets him up against the ropes with one of those uppercuts, and then does the say it loud, say it proud, especially you lessening in podcast land. He hits him with the Daniel Bryan silly kicks against the ropes. Can you believe it? Mule kick by Rush. Swerve is on the top rope. Rush drops down. Oh, this was a cool spot. I can't read my own writing, so I'm going to have to back up and say this again. Rush was on the outside. Rush was on the apron, and Swerve went to do a dive sort of like over him, but as he's coming over the ropes, Leo Rush just drops down to the main level, to the ground level, so that when they both hit the floor, they were both on their feet, and they were just staring each other down. It was so, so reminiscent of that promo between Velveteen Dream and Ricochet, where Velveteen Dream is fully, like, halfway up the ramp, and Ricochet just sort of, like, planted himself on the ramp face-to-face -face with him, and he didn't even have to say anything. It was very much a moment like that within the match, and after that moment with them sat face-to-face -face very dramatically, about ready to go. Of course we went to a commercial break, because why wouldn't we? Swerve tosses out Rush, double suplex by Breeze, forearm takedowns by Breeze on both men, standing splash, or sorry, standing Spanish fly splash by Rush. Yes, there we go. Series of kicks by Rush, supermodel kick to both men by Breeze, Rush tosses out Breeze, hits him with a wrecking ball, hits him with a poison rana, a suicide dive, and a final hour, but it does not get the three count. All three men get into the ring, and we're into that tired part of the match now. All three men trade punches, they trade kicks, they trade forearms, there's a final hour on Breeze, and a come up, by or a come up on Swerve by Rush. A package brain buster combo thing, which is apparently called the JML Special. 
by Swerve on Breeze gets the win. Now, this works on a bunch of levels. Unfortunately, I said this a long-ass time ago, Tyler Breeze is the Dolph Ziggler of NXT. I don't think he's ever going to get the push that he fully deserves, but he goes in there, everybody loves him, put him in the match, people are immediately invested, even if they don't know the other person, the counterpoint in the match. But... Tyler Breeze was here to eat the pen, wasn't he? Uh, there's an ongoing story between Leo Rush and Angel Garza, so Rush getting a loss here, or getting a pin here, rather, uh, would have sort of logically taken him away from that story. But right now, we want to have like a throwaway match on this World's Collide card, because, spoiler alert, I don't think any titles are going to change on this World's Collide card. But you want to give a really, really high-profile spot to your cruiserweight champion, to another guy in the in, on the brand that is coming up that everybody seems to like, which is Isaiah Swerve Scott, plus two guys from the UK brand are going to get some exposure to, that brand is going to get some exposure to, that brand is going to get some exposure in conjunction with this newly reborn NXT cruiserweight championship, which is all good, and you have Leo Rush on the sideline that technically didn't suffer a loss, so he can get right back into that story with Garza after we get Worlds Collide out of the way, possibly in Portland. And it's all good. It served every master, this match really did. Balor is then seen in the back talking about the match with Ilya Dragunov, basically talking about how Ilya Dragunov likes to constantly challenge himself, and he, oh, he reminds me a lot of myself, and let's just see what you can do at Worlds Collide, pretty much. It wasn't much to it, but what there was much to, because that's good English, is the Women's Battle Royal for the number one contendership to the NXT Women's Championship at Portland. Uh, I tried to write down everybody that was in this match. I guarantee you that I've missed a few, but we're going to go with it. Candice LeRae, Mia Yim, Bianca Belair, the returning Casey Catanzaro, which is fucking awesome. Mercedes Martinez, which has been all over the dirt sheets and all over the news, but not really talked about by WWE. My girl, Shotzi Blackheart, who we're going to talk about later. Io Shirai, MJ Jenkins, Catalina, the luchadora that I totally forgot about. Caden Carter, Tegan Knox, Zia Lee, De uh, Deanna Perrazzo. I wrote Deanna Perrazzo twice for some reason. Vanessa Bourne, Santana Garrett, and Shayna Baszler. Four reasons. And there's a very important reason, and we're going to talk about it real soon, are we not? But yeah, I don't have very many notes for this match. Basically, I have the eliminations. So... Sue me. It's a battle royal. You guys know what a battle royal looks like. Typical brawl to start. Baszler tosses out MJ Jenkins. Then Baszler toss it, tosses out some girl named Jessie in all black, very nondescript wrestling gear who I didn't recognize and I only really saw from the back because the camera did a really weird thing. Baszler then tosses out Catalina, tosses out Carter, tosses out Garrett. Yim tosses out Bourne. Somebody tosses out Deanna Perrazzo. I didn't write down who or I didn't see it. But the key point is is that she gets eliminated, but she reaches back into the ring and grabs my girl, Shotzi Blackheart, and drags her out under the bottom rope and takes her out, but she's not eliminated. No, she's not. Baszler tosses out Zia Lee. Shirai tosses out Casey Catanzaro. Uh, Belair tosses out Candice LeRae. Uh, Mercedes Martinez tosses out Mia Yim. Baszler, after a long stare down, everybody remembers their showdown at the Mae Young Classic when, uh, when Baszler won. Over, uh, over Mercedes Martinez, they went into a lot of their previous history during the Mae Young Classic. It was all really, really good. Um, Tegan Knox and Three Heels, which I think are Bel Air, Baszler, and Shirai. 
she's going to go do something from the top, but out of the crowd comes Dakota Kai in her street clothes and trips her, so she hits her midsection on the top of the turnbuckle post and then falls out of the ring. She is eliminated, but you know what's awesome? There's no more good, there's no more good in the ring. Because it's Bel Air, Shirai, and Baszler. It's all evil in the ring. Until my girl, Shotzi fucking Blackheart, slips back into the ring. And not only slips back in the ring, not only gets herself back in the match, but fucking eliminates fucking Shayna Baszler. I stripped over my words. That's fucking great, isn't it? Now... The, the euphoria of tossing out Shayna Baszler and what a big moment that is totally costs her because then Belair comes back from behind with a cheap shot, tosses out Shotzi and, and literally, literally breaks my heart. But there's your headline right there. Regardless of who won, we're going to talk about it in a second, don't worry, we're going to get there. The headline of this main event is NXT newcomer Shotzi Blackheart, Destiny Wrestling alumni Shotzi Blackheart eliminates Shayna Baszler. There's your headline. Belair and Shirai go at it for a little bit. Shirai gets fucked and Belair wins. Not too excited about that. I'm not going to lie. Here, here's the thing. I've said a million times about Belair. Great in the ring, hater gimmick, and I hate the hair thing, right? Now, Io Shirai stood on the ponytail, which should be the ultimate end to that gimmick because after that happens, you should think maybe I should shut my, cut my fucking hair because this is a... I, I almost said something really mean there. This is a bad gimmick. But she pulls her own hair, and that trips Shirai, and that sets a series of events into motion where Bel Air gives her the KOD out of the ring. And they called it a KOD, whereas realistically, it was just a really awkward-looking slam out of the ring. Bel Air wins. She's the number one contender. Again, nothing new to see here. This... This battle royal showed you all kinds of shit. We got Mercedes Martinez back from the Mae Young Classic. We got the return of Casey Catanzaro, and we know that she is really good friends with Caden Carter, so there could be a really cool tag in there. You got some other people in there, like my girl Shotzi Blackheart getting that big moment. Um, you got Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox continuing their story. You've got potentially Io Shirai and Bianca Belair continuing their story. The depth of this division, not even including the current champion, not even including her next challenger, not even including the other people that you can bring over, like Ela Dawn, Piper Niven, Kaylee Ray, etc., etc., etc. I said it last week, I'm going to say it again this week. You have a women's division that you could beat AEW senseless with. But you gave the win to Bianca Belair, which is a little bit of been there, done that. Not a huge fan of that, I'm not going to lie. But, again, as a spectacle, as a this is what we fucking got, while you guys are over there fucking with, like, 25 goth cults and an alien on a boat for reasons, we're doing awesome shit. We're boosting our cruiserweights. We're boosting our tag teams, or we're trying to anyway. And we are throwing all over in your face this women's division that you could never touch in a million fucking years. And let me tell you, let me tell you, because this is how my notes end. And, I, and I'm getting into hyperbole once again. I really don't care, because this, this show's got me on a little bit of a high. Not gonna lie. Shotzi and, and Deanna Prazo could have a little mini feud there. You could have a one-off match with Shotzi and Shayna Baszler, that could be fun. You got the Knox and Dakota Kai thing still happening. You've got any number of things that could happen with that undercard. But 
What do you have coming up in the immediate future of NXT? Next week, you've got Undisputed Era versus the Grizzled Young Veterans. You've got Imperium versus Dunn and Riddle. You've got Keith Lee versus Roderick Strong for the North American Championship. Then you go on to next Saturday where you've got Imperium versus the Undisputed Era, Mustache Mountain versus DIY, Ilya Dragunov versus Finn Balor, um, Angel Garza versus Isaiah Swerve Scott versus two other guys from the UK. Tony Storm versus your current NXT Women's Champion, Rhea Ripley, and then go a couple weeks out from there, and you get Bianca Belair versus Rhea Ripley, and she's going to get squashed, and I'm going to laugh, and you've got the grudge match between Finn Balor and Johnny Gargano. Probably Ciampa versus Cole in there as well. What else do you want? What else are you doing out there on your boat, Cody? <laughs> It's, just, it's it's fucking good, isn't it? Anyways, I don't think we will have any additional videos this week, so when you're watching this review on Thursday at 7 p.m. when I try to put it out there, um, share the fuck out of it. <laughs> I mean, I'm saying this at the end of this video. I should have said it at the beginning, but share the fuck out of this video because NXT is getting really fucking good, which means I'm just going to get more and more and more and more and more obnoxious. But till then, I've been Spaz, your YWC reality check. Subscribe up there, talk down there, start a conversation, keep all these conversations going. Don't be a stranger. I'll talk to each and every last one of you later, but for right now, tagging out. Bye, guys. Sunshine,